1: Welcome back to the CannonCast. I'm your host, PD. This is part two of our trade week series. Uh, If you have not already checked it out on our feed, first we had an interview with Steph Driver of Broad Street Hockey to talk about the Ivan Provarov trade. Uh, For this episode, we're going to look at the other trade from last week, this one involving uh, Damon Severson. So we'll be talking with John Fisher from All About the Jersey, So let me first run down the trade like I did with the uh, Provorov episode. So this one was a sign-in trade, uh, which we have not seen much of in the NHL. I believe the Matthew Kachuk deal last year was the first time we've seen this. So New Jersey received a third-round pick from us. Now, this is actually Calgary's pick, number 80, uh, which we acquired from Seattle in the Oliver Bjorkstrand trade. In return... New Jersey signed a eight-year deal with Damon Severson. Uh, this deal will carry an annual cap hit of $6.25 So us paying that third-round pick earned a couple things. First, because he was a pending UFA, this gave us an exclusive window to negotiate with him. And by having New Jersey sign the contract, they were able to give him the eighth year. Whereas if we had waited until free agency, uh, the most we could have offered would be seven years and we would have risked, you know, some other team coming in with a bigger offer. And we, we wouldn't get the guy that we wanted. So now, I mean, you could debate as to whether this is the guy that is worth that much. I don't know. Is it too long for him? Is it too much money? I'm not sure. What I do know is that this is a nice player. Um, and you'll, you'll hear in this interview about, what he brings to the table, the positives and the negatives. But I think this is a guy who uh, is a very solid, legitimate top four defenseman uh, on the right side. He is a right-handed shot defenseman, which we have a lot of. He's uh, 6'2", 205 pounds. He was a second round pick of New Jersey back in 2012. Um, It makes you wonder what's going to happen on the right side of the defense. And we will talk about that uh, here in the interview. But, you know, David Yerchek could be in the mix. What do you do with Adam Broquist, Andrew Peake, Eric Branson, Nick Blankenberg? So uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited to see the battle on the right side or what other trades could happen yet this season. So uh, coming up here is John Fisher to talk about the newest Blue Jacket defenseman, Damon Severson. We are now joined by John Fisher. He is the managing editor at All About the Jersey, a great site for everything you need to know about the New Jersey Devils. Uh, John, thanks for joining the pod.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So uh, the big trade happened on Friday with the Blue Jackets sending a third round pick, that's uh, Calgary's pick, to New Jersey for a sign-in trade, uh, which we haven't seen very often in the NHL, but a sign-in trade. That gets the jackets, Damon Severson, for the full eight years at $6.25 a year. Um, first thing, what was your reaction to the trade? Did anything about it surprise you in terms of the timing? Uh, what had you expected would happen with Severson this offseason as a pending free agent? Uh, just what, what was your initial reaction uh, to the trade that went down?
0: Well, I was basically, I was mostly surprised that it happened on June 9th. Um, yeah. Generally, <laughs> it's not like this is a great taboo. I mean, hockey doesn't stop uh, right. for all 32 teams when the Stanley cup finals are happening, but you typically don't see a lot of trades and Columbus, I guess, Jarmo Kekalainen is looking to keep his job at any cost right. has decided, dang, it, I'm going to make some moves when I want to make some moves. I'm going to make some moves. I don't care what's happening, which is fine. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, if you got to do business, you got to do business. Um, when, I the, when I saw that, when I saw that was a sign and trade, I was, also surprised by that because, as you said, it's not not only is it not that common in the NHL, it's actually the second time it's happened under the current CBA. Uh, in the past, you have seen pending free agents uh, get their rights traded, but that's usually like a couple of days before free agency, and it's usually for like a sixth round or a seventh round pick or the ever popular future considerations. Because uh, there's no guarantee that the team who you know makes that trade, who gets those rights, are going to be able to actually sign the player. So this is a bit different because clearly. Uh, Severson and his people uh, They wanted all eight years somewhere The Devils very firmly Told him no <laughs> we don't have The room to give you eight years we don't have The money to give you eight years And Columbus said Sure um, so I mean good On Columbus for not having to compete in the open market uh, That being said 50 Million years over eight years for Damon Severson Is a lot I don't Know if you've seen the contract breakdown at Cap Friendly mm-hmm. You have seen it yeah Do you think he's an $8 million player this uh, coming season?
1: No, but
0: (laughs) that's the correct answer.
1: (laughs) I'm more concerned about the, the dollars at the end of the contract where he has declined as a player. Um, I think, you know, currently now he is still legitimately a top four defenseman for us. And so Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem that ridiculous, especially if, we also have David Yura check on the right side who will be mm-hmm. on an entry level contract. So, you know, splitting that up to, uh, you know, you know, a little under 9 million in cash for the right side of the defense is that that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I, and I do think that Columbus is still in a position where they maybe have to pay a bit of a premium to attract players here that they want. So if they needed to give him that extra gear, and, you know, front load the contract and stuff. Then I feel like uh, they felt it was worth it because he was their guy. So and yeah. m- making the trade a June 9th, you know, to get ahead of the market uh, because they didn't want to get in a bidding war on him necessarily. So.
0: Exactly. Because, you know, I don't know if you've looked at the free agency class, but it's not a very strong free agency class, right. especially for defensemen. And Severson was basically legitimately the number one pending UFA mm-hmm. defenseman. So to a degree, you could say that Kekalina making this move now, as opposed to June, July 1st, where, you know, you don't know if Columbus is going to compete with, oh goodness, I don't even know who would actually uh, have the money to go out and sign them, like the Carolinas of the world, the Arizonas of the world. Uh, To your point, yeah, I think, I don't think it was so much an overpay to get into Columbus. I think it was more of an overpay in the fact that it's eight years. Um, Mm -hmm. Because again, when you break down the contract, most of that is not in signing bonus. The majority of it is in salary, and so it's going to go eight, eight, seven point five, six point one, and then five point one through the rest of the way in the final four years, which is incidentally how much he made this season right. uh, with the Devils. That was his salary on the final year of his current deal. So I mean, in a sense, um, you know, you anytime you have to pay for a pending free, unrestricted free agent, you're going to have to pay extra money. That's just how it is. It doesn't so much matter if you're in Ohio, Toronto. You know the hometown yeah. of of the player it, it's not going to be cheap <laughs> They're, the the player and more importantly his agent will let them will let you know no we're we're not we're not doing you a favor you're doing us a favor pay us <laughs> that's typically how it goes and that's how it happened here
1: yeah and one of our contributors, El polito had made the comment uh, in our internal chat of Yarmo giving him an eight year deal that's a move made by a gm who isn't worried about what's gonna happen eight years from now. Like he, he's not he's not even sure he's gonna be GM in four years, let alone eight years. Like Might this has happen. two years, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if this works out great, then we don't care about the end of the contract. And if it doesn't work out, it's not your most problem to fix.
0: It, it, exactly. And that's also the same logic that goes into the Provorov deal too. Yeah. Um you know, not that I'm an ex and SME on the flyers, right. but, um, you know, he has signed for another two years. You know, you didn't have to pay pay more in terms of the trade to get him. Whereas depending on restricted free agent, you know, moving Calgary's third rounder is what 80th overall. That's not that much. Um, yeah. that's typically more than what you would get. As I said earlier about the signings signing rights, but, um, you know, we're still talking about 80th overall in the draft. You're basically throwing, you're getting close to the dart throwing portion of the draft. Um, You know, it's a strong forward class in 2023, but it isn't so strong to run 80 players deep. Um, yeah.
1: But I, you know, I, I like the deal for New Jersey. I appreciate, mm-hmm. I appreciate them facilitating it. I Severson and his press availability mentioned that, you know, he knew from the exit interviews that he was not in New Jersey's plans and, and they were mm-hmm. upfront about it. And Tom Fitzgerald told him, Hey, look, you know, We'd love to keep you, but we know that we can't afford you. Correct. And, so I, and so I like, though, that New Jersey was willing to give permission to talk to certain teams and make a deal happen early if it was what was best for the player. And, and that's just – I think it's it's a classy move by, by Fitzgerald, and I think it helps his reputation around the league as a GM willing to help out the players willing to make – help other teams get a deal done, you
0: know? Yeah. And you see this in other sports as well. You know, I mean, typically when a player, you know, a team tells the player, look, we can't afford your next contract. We'll reach out to other teams for you. Like they'll, they'll try mm-hmm. to do a solid, like whether it's the, you know, the, the training camp guy on the NFL roster, whether it's a guy in soccer where, you know, it's like, look, this team is interested in buying you. We cannot outbid them. You know, it's, it's whomever. So we we'll, we're going to let you go. Um, yeah in general you it's generally good practice to want to be um what's the word i'm looking for here um considerate of the player's happiness because it's not just the player um everybody in the league talks to each other so i mean if you make david steverson mad and david Stevenson happens to be a very well-liked guy in the devil's locker room then you know future negotiations of which tom fitzgerald has a lot of doing this summer (laughs) uh because they have a ton of free agents uh that just hurts your cause it also hurts your cause with uh trying to get free agents elsewhere because they may go well you know Tom was a Fitzgerald was a jerk to me, I'm with Tom, um, you know, say what you want about the Lou Lamorellos of the world, but they're mm-hmm. typically upfront and blunt about it. You know, you, their word is as good as gold, uh, but every other GM, you know, it, it, it's a trust factor. So credit to, credit to Fitzgerald for, you know, trying to make the deal happen and not waiting until like the draft to find like maybe trying to move that third rounder up to like 60th overall or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Cause that doesn't make, I mean, at that point you're not really making that much of a game.
1: Yeah, so let's get to the player himself here, mm-hmm. set, setting aside the contract and all that. Um, what kind of player is Damon Severson? How would you describe his style as defenseman and what would be his strengths and his weaknesses?
0: Okay, so Damon Seiferson, uh, he's the last of the Lou Lamorello Devils, uh, literally the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played uh, his debut in New Jersey in 2014, 2015, um, two seasons after he got... Uh, drafted by uh by the devils in 2012 he basically demonstrated that he is your prototypical two-way defenseman he's a guy that plays well generally well in all three zones he's very good at making long long passes so if your nice. team likes to dress severson is more than capable of doing that and hitting it he's good at creating shot assists for other people um at our side, all about the jersey chris fieldhouse uh, Reference Corey Schneider's, uh, micro stats on him for this season, at least, mm-hmm. and pointed out that Se- Severson was fantastic at generating assists for scoring chances, for shots on net, for uh, contributing to chances directly, uh, passes from the center of the ice, creating high-danger assists, deflection assists, rush offense. He was very good at, as with the aforementioned stretch passing. He's very good at all that. And Severson is also very good at taking on a lot of minutes. Uh, when Dougie, when there was a stretch during the season where, you know, some of the Devils' defensemen like Dougie, uh, Jonas Siegenthaler and Ryan Grazer were injured. Uh, Severson stepped in and played big minutes. In the playoffs, he played big minutes, uh, partially because he couldn't get off the ice, thanks <laughs> to the Carolina's press, but also because Dougie Hamilton was also nursing an injury, yeah. uh, a significant wrist injury. So Severson has been called upon to take on the bigger roles. He can actually kill penalties. And I, and I say that this is a bit of a surprise because the thing about Severson, his weakness is that – He doesn't do little mistakes. (laughs) He does big mistakes. Um, again, per the, per the micro stats that Schneider tracks, uh, you know, he was one of the worst players in the league in terms of botched retrievals per 60 minutes. So you dump and chase against them. You got a chance to be four checked against, uh, he, he also didn't do very well at, uh, exiting the zone sometimes, because again, sometimes those stretch passes become icings if they miss or they hit the other team. But more importantly, and this is what unfortunately his reputation has been in New Jersey is that he's got a flair for the catastrophe. Um, it's never just like, Oh, he just, missed coverage briefly and he just recovered at the last second it's no he just completely forgot how to play defense for a moment it's a two-on-one and he took nobody or you know you're in a situation where you need to hold on to a tight lead and he decides i'm just gonna brain a guy um scored, he has scored multiple own goals oh. um yeah like this is this is a, this is a player that you know the microstats, the, micro the on-ice stats, the basic stats, even the counting stats at NHL.com for points, Severson brings a lot of good things to the table. I mean, he's a consistent 30-point guy. He's somebody that you could put on in, in all three situations. He can play significant minutes, um, but – because of those issues I just mentioned with the catastrophes and the fact that he can be like, if he's up against a Carolina or Florida, like a team that does aggressive for checking, he struggles badly. And if it's not his night, making those stretch passes and making plays out of the zone, it's ugly. Um, So in a sense, you can't rely on him to be your biggest minute defenseman. he can't be your first pairing guy and the devils found that out the hard way because there were a couple seasons during his career in new jersey where he was and it was quickly apparent that he's good but he's not that good and that's part of the reason why the devils went out and paid a lot of money for dougie hamilton um it's also why i think they're letting him go because i think luke hughes and simon nemich are more than ready to take his spot in the lineup right and maybe excel further from his spot in the lineup and it's also Notwithstanding that his five on five numbers in particular this season were fantastic, but it goes without saying, it's also a season where he played mostly not on the first pairing. He was mm. not even on the second pairing in most of his games. He was on a third pairing with Brendan Smith or Kevin Ball, where Severson did fantastic against that limited competition and lim- more limited role. But that's also why pay a guy six, six, six and a quarter million accrued average value for a guy who just beat up uh, third pairing guys. Um, Yeah, yes, he's gonna have to play more than that, and he is capable. But the prop, but the biggest weakness is you're never gonna be able to fully trust him, you're just not,
1: yeah. Well, and you know, some of this is reminding me of last year when we signed Eric Branson, and he was coming off of a decent season stat wise in Calgary, but he was on a very sheltered third pair in Calgary, and of course, in Columbus, he had to play a much bigger role than Mm -hmm. that due to injuries, due to incompetent coaching, and all of that. Now, I do feel though. Severson sounds like, though, he's uh, still a significantly better player. He absolutely is. Yeah,
0: I I would have thrown a shoe at you (laughs) if he's like, oh, he's like Eric Branson. No, (laughs) he's much better than Eric Branson. Um, But, you know, is he going to be is he it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Do you Mm -hmm. think he's an eight million dollar salary player? Because that's what he's getting paid next season. And the correct answer to that is, no, he is not. Um, You know, I think. Like a lot of players, his best years just happened in New Jersey the last two seasons, Mm -hmm. I would even argue. Uh, This season, in terms of the five-on-five play and the overall play, and if you're just looking for raw numbers, you know, he put up, goodness, what did he put up? He put up 46 points last? Yeah, 46 last year,
1: 33 this year.
0: Yeah, exactly, which is really good. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. hey, you need offense from your defense. I mean, that's the trend now, and the Devils absolutely did a lot of activation of defensemen. And Severson is, again, more than capable of doing that. He's more than capable of starting an offensive rush. So if you're if you want Columbus to play an up-tempo style of hockey, Mm -hmm. you want you want your defenseman to get more involved on offense, which with Provorov and Rorensky presumably coming back at some point, you probably want that to happen. He can do that. He he can probably be a good fit, but it's it's is it going to be enough to meet the contract uh, you know what the contract represents? Maybe not, but it's not as going to be as ugly as Eric Branson's four million per season. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, and and I I'm not as worried about the the eight million in salary because that's yeah that's, that's John the ownership M- yeah. that's John McConnell's problem. Now yeah. you know it's the the six point two five cap hit and and how do you fit other pieces around that? So this is going to be a very high cap hit defense for us. Um, but yeah. I also look at it as a, a much much improved. Uh, at least top four versus the guys that were eating. Oh, up the last year, so
0: yeah, absolutely, it is an upgrade. I think Columbus is larger concern, and I think it goes back to this isn't Keke problem; it's going to be mm-hmm. the next GM's problem. Because um, again, I'm not I'm not the expert on Columbus. You are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I took a quick peek at the who's on the ELC list. You know, yeah. includes. Mr. Yerichek, who's really right. talented, even though Miles Wood phased through him back in on Mischief Night last year. <laughs> That's not going to happen again, by the way. Miles Wood isn't that good. Right. Uh Corson Cullemans, Denton may- Mate, Samuel Nazko, Stanislav Svoz, Svozil, whoever's gonna be. I'm Columbus has to draft Leo Carlson
1: like at third overall. They just oh, I'm hoping, it. yeah, yeah. They have to, but
0: they're not gonna draft defenseman at third. No, but they may abs- draft. Abs- their, abs- they may draft a third uh defenseman in the second round. Right. So what I'm trying to say is that you know, you already got locked up Severson. For goodness, for the next eight seasons. Eight years. <laughs> Renski signed through 2028. Provorov is signed through 2025. Branson's signed through 2026. Peak is signed through 2026. That's just I just named five defensemen who's already committed for a defense that presumably could, you know, upgrade a Yerichek and a Matichuk or and a Kalimans or and a Nazco. And and you know, you're eventually gonna have to start um either dealing some of these guys away before right. you know you lose all their value as a prospect. Or you make some space and you know, if, if Kecklein or GM to be named later can somehow get out of the good Branson deal yeah. or even the P contract. Right. Um, you know, I think that will open up the space. I think that's the larger concern I have with the Severson deals. It's basically just locks in a spot. That's yeah. not really like, there's a lot of young defensemen that could become somebody, but for that to happen, as you know, you got to give them a chance to play. And uh, you know, as much as everybody got a chance to play last season for Columbus, <laughs> um, you know, these guys, you know, Severson means hey, you got to pay him, you got to play him significant minutes. You're not paying a guy $6.25 million to play, you know, 14 minutes a night. You're just not. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me that he, you know, having him and check and check, I think, is someone they have high hopes for. And he's, and they should, yeah, untouchable at this point. So you've got check and Severson locked in. So there's not room on the right hand side for both. Adam Boquist and Corson Kuhlman's. So I mm-hmm. think that at least one of those guys gets moved and probably sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say it's going to be next necessarily next summer. I think it could be um, 2024. Sure. I think you're, you're going to be like, all these guys are moving again. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's on this roster for next season. Help me out. I'm actually taking a quick peek. It's like half of your, almost all the forwards on Columbus are up
1: for contracts in 2024. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Except for, of course, Lane, Goodrow, Jenner, Corrali,
1: yeah, okay. a, a lot of the, the uh, bit top young forwards are coming off three ELCs that summer. So, yeah, that'll be oh, yeah. interesting.
0: <laughs> extensions for everybody. Oh, actually, those extensions could actually start now.
1: Yeah, I would expect more, like, in the bridge deal range next Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think – I mean, again, you're the SME on uh, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I would – a part of me almost wants to say one of these guys you definitely want to lock up long term, like now before they get too expensive. Similar to what the devils did with Nico Heesher and Jack sure. Hughes, where they're now relative bargains. Yeah. Um, because they paid they, you know, they bet on them a little bit to improve. And hey, those bets paid off handsomely. And now, you know, Jack Hughes and Nico Heesher look like again, they're better than their cap hits. Yeah. And for sure. you know, we'll see, we'll see if the devils do the same with Dawson Mercer um after they get through the <laughs> i'm quickly counting in my head here uh 12 13 free agents that they have to deal with oh wow you know on their new jersey roster uh utica is a little different utica has a different problem but we're not here to talk about utica's problems we're here to talk <laughs> about columbus and damon severson and it goes and, go, and swinging back to severson yeah um you know the biggest thing about him i will say is that more often than not you're going to appreciate what he does mm. the stuff that he's going to mess up you're going to remember and you're going to hate you are just going to be mad about it. You're going to say, dang it, Damon, you're in the league for over 600 games. How do you not know how to defend a two-on-one? How do you just like forget? You know, you're just like on the ice, like skating away from the two. This happened against Toronto, by the way. It was irritating. Um, You know, you're going to sit there and go, damn it, Damon, why are you making that read? Why are you doing this? But I would recommend you and the Blue Jackets fans to understand all the good things that he does, even if they're not like, on the score sheet or, or, or implicit, he's going to give you great five on five numbers. Cause he is generally mm-hmm. a smart guy. It's just that when he messes up, it's gotta be big and he struggles against aggressive forechecks.
1: Yeah, it is. Take is it, those
0: two away. He's he, you're going to like him.
1: Is it a case maybe where there's some confirmation bias where the, the bad plays stand out, but all of the good things he does are less noticeable. Sometimes.
0: I mean, that's typically the case with defensemen, right? You know, it's, it's like goaltending in a sense, like, you know, everybody can remember, you know, if I asked you, Hey, name me all, all of Elvis Merziklin's great saves. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to be honest, he's had a whole bunch of them. Sure, You don't remember any of them because he gave up a bajillion goals <laughs> or didn't even get to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's kind of the thing with defensemen. Like you may remember, you know, this one notable goal or this one notable play. Um, but a lot of what a defenseman does well isn't those plays it's it's they get they the coaches tend to look for hey can you make a play and stop a net zone entry can you retrieve a puck properly can you make a zone exit can you start a breakout and even lead to scores which are memorable those are the things are what a defenseman is supposed to do it's a lot of a lot of dirty work i think the biggest mm. you know it's very analogous to like a lineman in a football or a midfielder in soccer like a defensive midfielder where they're not going to give you points necessarily but you're not paying them for that you're paying them to stop the other team from you know making things happen as uh unglamorous as it might be um so that being said you do have to pay a premium for offense he'll give you some offense so he'll give you memorable stuff but, um, you know, just to save yourself some uh, insanity from some of the people who matter on our end in New Jersey is that, uh, you know, don't don't blow up the big mistakes as, you know, that's the end all be all of what Saverson does.
1: Gotcha. Now, one last question on him, uh, given his his weaknesses and his strengths and the you know, occasional issues that he has, like you mentioned, uh, what sort of partner? would be best for him to sort of maximize his strengths and cover Mm. for his weaknesses and, and what kind of style of play and strategy would you deploy him in?
0: Okay. So actually I just found, just realized another weakness of Severson. He's also not the most disciplined defenseman. He's, Mm. he's, He's not going to be like, you know, give you 100 penalty minutes, but he's going to take more than just a handful of minors, too. It's going to annoy you. Yeah. Um, so that, and I guess in step one is make sure his partner is very disciplined because okay. uh, you don't need to have, because Severson's actually pretty good on a penalty kill, but you don't need him to, um, you'd rather have him out killing penalties, not being the one you're killing a penalty for. Right. Um, I would definitely recommend that you definitely need to pair him with somebody who can keep up with him. Not necessarily an offensive minded player, Um, you know, in New Jersey this past season where again, he had awesome numbers in five on five hockey. He had strong uh, production numbers. You know, he was playing with guys like Brendan Smith and Kevin ball who aren't swift skaters per se, but they were knowledgeable enough to know where they needed to be Mm -hmm. and when to support. Um, I think it's more crucial that given that the def- the Devils did a lot of activation of their defensemen, and Severson was definitely one of them, you need your wingers to know when to drop back to support. So that means, you know, Kent Johnson, Johnny Goudreau, Cole Sillinger, whomever, they need to know that if 28's going in, somebody's got to drop back. Okay. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's just, but that's, that's standard stuff. I think somebody... Uh, but I think to get the most out of Severson, you don't want to just pair him with just like an Eric Branson. I'm a defensive oh God, no. guy or anything like that. You want to actually pair. I would actually be curious to see how he gets on with someone like Yuricek, hmm. um, or someone like even Provorov. Uh, somebody who can probably keep up in terms of the pace of play that he's going to want to help influence. And be swift enough to get back in case Severson does get caught or makes that big mistake on offense or that turnover to help recover things. Because that will probably be the best way to handle it. I would also suggest that whoever's good on defense in terms of handling four checks, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Unfortunately, because Car- Carolina and Florida went deep in the playoffs this season, I wouldn't be super shocked if more teams start doing aggressive four checks. Sure. Which I am not, not because the Devils are not very good at that. <laughs> and most teams aren't. You know, it's, it's the equivalent of just blitz, you know, bringing the house on a blitz, it, you know, just because you may be able to handle it doesn't mean you want to deal with it over and over again.
1: Yeah, um, Well, and that's, that's, you know, that's the style of play that Columbus used to great effect against Tampa in 2019. Exactly. Um, and, 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 and I think, you know, yeah, you're a both being right-handed shots. So they're not options, but I do think it will come down to either Wierenski or Provorov, but given that yeah. Wierenski is such a, offensive weapon it could really be a fourth forward at times it does yeah feel like severson like Pro, and yeah. better match yeah
0: yeah warinski and severson would be a risky thing that's the sort of thing you do on a power play maybe mm-hmm. if you're down a goal and you need something late but you're not willing to pull your goaltender right away gotcha. yeah yeah that that may be appropriate but then you get to the question of like well who you got five guys who want the puck <laughs> like there's only one of them um Yeah, but I think Provorov would probably be a good place to start with, and if you can convince someone to play off on their offhand, which given the number of right-handed shots on the team, you might have to, Mm -hmm. um, that would probably be the best place to start. But I think in terms of role, look for somebody who's disciplined, somebody who can handle four checks at least a little bit better than what Severson has done, somebody who can handle the pressure and um somebody who's going to be quick enough to keep up with the pace of play that Severson's going to help facilitate because to get the best out of Severson you need him starting that breakout you need him involved in that offense and you need him making good reads and he's more than capable of doing that he will absolutely dish the puck to the Gidrows and the Lanes and the Cylinders and 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 whomever else is uh on Columbus but that means you need their part you need his partner to basically either support him or let him be in a space so he can do that thing and you can just cover up when when inevitably the mistake does happen
1: yeah so it sounds like if we're if we have to move a right-handed shot over to play with him uh nick blankenberg sounds like he could maybe be a match with him although it might take sort of an injury higher up in the lineup for that to happen yeah i I think that could fit too
0: yeah i'm not i'm not super familiar i know blankenberg's like super young hockey wise i know he's
1: 25 i think
0: mm-hmm. yeah he's he just turned 25 um but he just played his first
1: full season kind of, yeah. well
0: kind of he played 36 games that, but yeah.
1: I, <laughs> he's, he's a small guy so he gets injured a lot he plays hard but he's a guy that can hit he's a guy that can skate and all that so i feel like he could uh he could maybe hang with with what you're saying
0: oh i okay now i remember where i saw this name he was a michigan guy okay yeah. so he played with luke hughes he played with goodness he played with johnson he played with Fentilli, he played with bernier yeah. okay he played with all those guys coming out of the wolverines uh camp okay all right i think that's an interesting idea um to at least get him started but that's basically the general thing i would caution and as, again as a final point you know just watch his knees uh severson is fairly reliable but you know he's had a couple seasons where he missed you know 20 30 games i know that sounds like da- doom for a team that just yeah. suffered what 500 man games of injury or something crazy like that but for the most part severson is fairly reliable more often than not he will give you 76 plus games a season
1: but and that as he gets older
0: you got to watch out his watch for that speed because once that starts to go it's gonna get start to get ugly <laughs>
1: Mm, yeah. That sounds like kind of a Jack Johnson situation like we've been through before. So yeah, uh, I don't but, want to do that again, <laughs> but yeah, it, it looks like he's not v- missed a lot of time in his career. And given the injuries we've had, especially on defense, uh, a reliable, uh, durable defenseman uh, would help us a lot for sure. Certainly. Yeah. All right. So John, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, tell listeners uh, where they can find more from you.
0: You can always learn about the New Jersey Devils and become one of the people who matter at allaboutthejersey.com.
1: All right, thanks again, John. Have a great one. Mm-hmm. For more content from the Canon, check out jacketscanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howland Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.